Welcome to Laughing at Myself. I'm your host, Taryn Lane, and this is where I dive into the subjects that have been on my mind in a lighthearted, thought-provoking way. Today, I want to talk about the article that I just published to the Laughing at Myself Medium page, and this is about how I think flying cars are going to be what solves the housing crisis. And here with me, just to talk about it, I have my lovely wife, Cammie Lane. Hi, guys. She's definitely my better half, especially when it comes to looking at technology things with more of a practical eye. I sometimes get caught up in the uh, geeking out side of it, and while Cammie's good at looking at how, you know, other people might look at the same things. I consider myself the um, the negative Nancy of geekiness. Um, I pinpoint the concerns, the potential flaws, I suppose. But I can still find it fun, so I won't, I won't just chime in when I have something bad to say. Yeah, for those who haven't um, read the article, just to refresh your mind on it, I talk about how I think flying cars are going to be a thing, and... There'll be a system of vertiports, vertical takeoff and landing, little mini airports that spring up all around on the top of buildings. And that will be where people go to fly between the different hubs of activity, you know, from a business park to a, a mall area or from a housing complex to you know anywhere else that you might want to be that there's, uh, you know, big enough buildings or businesses there that can build a vertiport. And I think that that will be the thing that ends up allowing more housing to be built in areas that they're not aren't developing right now just because it's too expensive to build big freeways out there and and it would put too much of a strain on the nearby infrastructure to have so many more people living in these areas and I think if you introduce flying cars that will allow a way for more people to live in areas without the roads and traffic just getting worse and worse and worse and you can expand quicker because it's easier to just create a new flight route rather than slapping down a bunch of pavement and so that's, that's my theory. That's what I think is going to happen. My first uh, concern that I wanted to chime in with is if you have these communities where they're heavily reliant on flying cars, who would be attracted to live there? And uh, would there still be roads at all in case people don't want to have to have a flying car or if people want to visit them? I think when, when people think about flying cars, they'll probably initially think about them replacing ground cars altogether, but I don't think that's really feasible. I don't think that's how it's going to happen. I think they'll coexist, and what it'll be is these new areas, instead of having a four-lane freeway going out there, they'll have a two-lane freeway. And then as more and more houses get developed, more and more of the flying will happen just because people want to bypass the traffic on the ground. And that'll be what city planners turn to to fix you know the traffic issues and I think the people that are going to be attracted to it I mean they're obviously going to have to have enough money to pay for the flights just like people have to pay for Uber um, and it's definitely going to be people as well that don't want to maybe have a car or parents who want to let their kids get around to some of the nearby places but not have to do all the work and money to get a little junky car for them to use. I also think that it would be very beneficial for those who like are elderly or, you know, maybe it would 
kind of like self-driving cars have already advertised it'll help with drunk driving and then instead of self-driving then it would just be self-driving and flying yeah um so then it'll hopefully be faster as well but i definitely think that wealthy people maybe old people and uh people who have fun and a little more reckless ways can prevent reckless driving i definitely don't think people are going to manually fly these cars. I think the only way it's going to happen is if they're fully self-flying. Um, people have a hard time being comfortable with self-driving cars or thinking that they're going to be adopted. And I think they're right because we're used to driving our own cars on the ground. But I think the idea of people flying their own cars in the sky is terrifying, and rightly so. And I think once it's demonstrated that they can fly themselves, people will be more... Uh, more willing to accept that it's safe and reasonable knowing that it's not some person who has the potential to be drunk behind the wheel of that. Right. I wonder how, how well the cybersecurity or, you know, cause I think the greatest fear, at least when I have mentioned things like with my dad and he, his concern is, is, you know, things will get hacked or there'll be accidents. They'll just be different. How how long do you think it'll be until they're safe? And obviously nothing is totally inhackable, but it'd be safe enough to where that's very unlikely. I think, well, I mean, the first thing that I have to remind myself is we already have a ton of stuff that runs electronically that, I mean, is at risk. And I guess that's not an excuse to build more infrastructure that's at risk, but it's a risk that we already accept in so many things, you know, if you think about how much of planes are run automatically already, planes basically fly themselves already. I mean, there's the pilot does a, a lot, but the plane does a lot as well. And yeah, those are susceptible to errors in programming or, or hacking. It's definitely something that I'll want to make sure that they've put protections in place before I get on and, and fly them around. Um, but yeah, I think the crashes that do happen are not going to be, you know, so-and-so was texting. It'll be some fraudulent company sold some bad software and didn't get it approved. And, you know, there'll have to be some federal regulation on the approval process, just like they do for, you know, vaccines like that COVID vaccine they're working on, right? There'll have to be a rigorous examination process before they'll be able to be certified to fly their cars through the different report systems. So does that mean, for example, I would think that if it's self-driving, that means car insurance would go down for anyone using it. They probably wouldn't even have to pay for it. It'd probably be the business supplying the cars, right? Yeah, I don't think you'll own them. I think, I, I at least the way I picture it, you'll have a subscription model maybe where you, you pay for the right to have a car when you need to use it for, you know, on a month-by-month -month basis. Or like Uber, you just pay for the rides that you use if you use it infrequently enough that it doesn't make sense to have a subscription and you're not going to be paying for anything. You won't have to worry about upkeep or maintenance or insurance. You just have a fee. And that's actually what I think is going to drive a lot of the upcoming generations to adopt it is it's going to be way more easy to just fly basically than to worry about, Oh, I've got to get a car. I've got to, when do I do an oil change? What are the fluids? How do I take care of this thing? How do I get insurance? How do I get registration? I mean, that's a nightmare to figure out. I, I've owned a car for years, and I still am not sure that I'm doing everything the right way. I don't, yeah. I'm always worried I'm going to be missing something. And if I had the option to just never have to worry about that from the beginning, I think I probably would have taken it. And I, I know that we, when we're doing our finances, if, if we have a car that lasts for a really long time and 
we've spent at least like less than or equal to a thousand dollars per year in you know how many years we've had it so if if, if it was a $9,000 car, then we'd have to keep that car for nine years. And then if there's any maintenance, then that needs to add on extra amount of years for it to last where it might end up someday being cheaper probably to just have a subscription. Yeah, right. If it's less than $1,000 a year to, to fly where I need to go. And especially like if there's a business park and they say, you know, everyone who is an employee of a company in this business park gets half off vertiport flights to and from the business park that's a huge win for companies to attract talent saying hey look you don't have to you can fly to work every day and we're going to pay for most of that cost do you think that there would be limitations concerning like the weather whether or not um the cars will still function for example we're in utah it snows sometimes there's snowstorms are they you know will there be concerns there or yeah, and that's the one thing that I I don't know how they'll get around it. I feel like there's got to be some sort of way that you can allow that to still happen. But right now, I think if it's snowing, right, you can't necessarily fly the same way. And maybe with the way society's going with work from home being more of a thing, it'll just be you don't travel when it's bad weather. You just stay home. Or, you know, if, if there's things that you need, like maybe you won't go into work if it's snowing, right? Everyone will just stay home. Uh, but if there's things that you still need to travel for i don't know maybe they'll have you know alternative more expensive forms of ground travel that you can take or you know uh they'll have those uh bullet trains that maybe go underground from vertiport to vertiport as like a backup i don't know i still don't know i don't think they have an answer to that yet but that would be one thing that would keep this from being prevalent yeah i agree well and I think it's interesting that you say most people will stay from home. I guess it makes sense that if you can't take your, you know, flying car to the grocery store, then they have drones where your groceries can go to you, and those probably would do better in the weather, I imagine, or at least it'd be less risky. And I don't know all the all the uh, things you have to take into account if you're trying to make a passenger drone fly through inclement weather, but, you know, maybe the technology advances enough that you can have 100 mile an hour winds and it doesn't really phase the drone. It just charges through and that would be cool. And that would definitely make it so you could rely on it 100% of the time to get you where you need to go no matter what's going on in the sky. That actually reminds me of something that I didn't really talk about in the article just due to space. But speaking of the power that these passenger drones will have, I think that we're going to see huge advances in battery technology and even just electric generation technology. We've got so many companies that are moving from traditional combustion engines to electric vehicles. That's going to drive a lot of capital towards developing breakthroughs in this technology. They're going to have lighter batteries, cheaper electricity. I think nuclear power is going to have to come back in order for us to generate enough volumes of electricity to pay for all these electric cars. And I think people are going to realize that once, you know, in a couple of generations, most cars are electric. And electric prices are going to climb or we're going to build more coal factories. We're not going to want that. People are going to say, well, it's probably worth it to get back into this nuclear technology. And even when you look at nuclear technology nowadays, the technology there is advancing. They're able to make them smaller and contained to where if one fails, it has so many built-in fail-safes that keep it from uh, melting down like you get with Three Mile Island or Chernobyl. Maybe eventually you even have small nuclear reactors that are small enough that just your car has a nuclear reactor in it or your drone has a nuclear reactor in it. 
And I think the word nuclear scares a lot of people. And so people will avoid it. But it is true. They've come a long way. So it could be a good opportunity to give it another chance now that they do have those more more protections like you had mentioned. I also think it's cool to think about the possibility of Tesla coils that remotely charge things without having to touch them. I mean, can you imagine how cool it would be if you don't have to have a battery in the car? It's just flying through the air, getting charged by some towers it flies by. And, and we know that that technology works. It just doesn't have a reliability in the range that we would need to, you know, to have flying cars. But I mean, you charge your phone wirelessly. It's just kind of an extension of that same idea. And uh, that could be the thing that makes it so, it just makes more sense to fly because the batteries are still on the ground. It's just you that's in the air. I wonder if that would make it to where we could more so have an easier way of driving across the country or, you know, we usually go back to California to visit, then we could probably be resting or sleeping or doing work other than focusing on the road. And uh, it could take us all the way to California. That's what excites me, I think, the most about self-driving in general, not not even flying, but just self-driving cars is when I have to go back to California, it's a 12-hour drive. I would love to be able to just sleep my way through that. Or, I mean, really, if, if I'm in traffic, I don't care if I'm asleep or on my phone or you know, doing something. It's just I'll get there when I get there. I don't have to fume about the traffic the same way as when I'm driving a stick shift and have to constantly be shifting and braking and accelerating the whole hour-long trip. And I think most people would say, it's like, well, why don't you fly? But we like having a car when we're in California as well, which is why we don't fly. And I guess if if we had a self-driving car, if we either owned it or if it were popular enough to where it's, as soon as our self-driving car took us to California, there'd be, we'd still get to use that car if we rented it or there would be other cars there if we had to have that one go away. I don't know how it'd work. Definitely the system would have to be prevalent enough that however we plan on getting around wherever we go, we can rely on that. Because it doesn't make sense to to go all the way out to someplace, California, like a trip that we want to go out and then not have any way to get around once we're there. Especially a lot of towns, there's not a really reliable bus system or any other transportation method. And I think a lot of the United States is like that. I mean, the big cities, you can rely on big public transportation. But, um, you know, these towns and, and places that are not in those huge metropolitan areas, you can't rely on that. And that would have to change. You'd have to be able to say, you know, if I know I go to some random town in Kentucky, there's going to be a way for me to get, you know, there's going to be a little micro mobility scooter shop wherever I park my rental car and I can use that to get around the town that I need to while I'm there. Another topic that I didn't get to go into in a lot of depth in the article, but I think is going to be a huge selling point for the Vertiport flying car technology and adoption is that it's such a better scalable way to do infrastructure. Right now, whenever we want to have another neighborhood for living in or businesses we have to slap down tons of pavement big freeways all the way over there maybe uh, redo a whole complex freeway intersection just to make it work and it's it's a ton of time and effort and materials and and then if we decide we want to change how the cars flow we have to spend a lot of time demolishing that and rebuilding it i mean we live in utah and I can't think of a time that the freeway hasn't been under construction. And every day it's like, you know, new lanes are closed. We have to move. It's just a nightmare. And I I hate it. (laughs) It's so annoying. (laughs) But can you imagine if all they have to do is the city planning committee gets together and they say, well, let's uh, 
let's modify the virtual flight paths so that people from this neighborhood can fly across the lake to get to that neighborhood and have that be a valid place that cars will fly and they don't haven't they haven't spent any more money i mean they spent the money to maybe validate that it's a valid flight path but they don't have to go out there with bulldozers and trucks and tons of cement and poor things they just can tweak it as they need to and i think that's going to be a huge scalable way that we can expand our infrastructure to all these unused areas of the country because it's so much quicker to change the infrastructure so people can get out there and back. I also think that that will change communities and the environment in the way that if we are not spending all that money putting down pavement, that money can go to other things that the cities might need to where smaller communities can probably rearrange their budgets to work more for them as well as maybe it'll be better for the environment not using all those huge fuel trucks to put in pavement and then all of the work. I don't know. I feel like it could be better for the environment too. It could be. It's hard to say, right? You know, all, all the work that goes into mining the lithium and stuff, it might not have a net decrease in fumes or carbon emissions, but I think it's the only scalable way that we can adapt our transportation infrastructure to humanity will have to do other things to fix the global warming problems and the carbon emissions but i don't i don't know that we're going to be able to prevent those from happening we just have to make sure we're doing everything we can like with nuclear energy to make sure that we're generating whatever we can in a sustainable way while still allowing while still keeping up with the growth of humanity it's definitely interesting to think about i think it's going to happen in my lifetime i'm i'm pretty convinced that before I die, I'm going to be able to go to a vertiport and fly to somewhere and then get off. And I'll be like, okay, I can die in peace now. Live the dream. <laughs> Flying cars is a thing. And, uh, but I, I don't think it'll just be a curiosity. I think it'll be eventually a staple of what makes the most sense to get from A to B. Yeah, I, it's so hard for me to imagine. I think, I, I think I'm going to be dead before, <laughs> before, <I hope> not. <laughs> before this happens. Um, but I do think that as more people talk about it, it is more likely to happen in our lifetime, um, rather than people saying, oh, that'll never happen. Kind of like me. Oh, that'll never happen. As we keep talking about it, though, it's more likely to happen. Maybe it's a question of how bad can things get before people are willing to try something new. I mean, if housing prices continue getting worse, traffic gets worse, emissions from cars and, and, and things don't get any better... And, you know, the cost of building new freeways just gets unsustainable. I could see people saying, well, you know, we kind of laughed at the idea of flying cars, but now things have gotten so bad, it's worth actually consider considering and taking a look at. True. Well, I appreciate you. I don't know. I appreciate your geekiness. I, know, I don't think I ever would have thought about flying cars like ever <laughs> if I weren't <laughs> married to you. So it is fun. It kind of opens my... I don't know, opens my view, my horizons, the potential, the things that I never thought were possible. It's fun. Definitely helps that I, I see the stuff in the newsletters that I get every morning. So I'm always seeing the latest companies or mergers or acquisitions of this electric vehicle company about that drone company and this car company developed this self-driving branch. It's fun to think about where all these are headed, even though I'm sure it'll take more years than it seems like, you know, it seems like we have very few hurdles left, but maybe there's, I mean, I'm sure that they will be much longer because 
few hurdles we have left are the big ones, you know. Right. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see where where these where these things go and hopefully someday I get to fly in one. Well, thanks Cammy for humoring me and coming on to look at kind of the ideas that I've talked about and, and give your own perspective. I appreciate your thoughts on the subject. We'll have to do it again sometime. Hey, thanks for listening. If you've recently learned something interesting about yourself or just had a fun line of thought on this or any other topic, then let me know. I'd love to hear about your ideas. In the meantime, stay sharp out there, folks.